Welcome, everyone, to episode 21 of the Fly Guys podcast. My name is Justin Goodart. Sitting across from me is Cameron Klein in the FGP studios of Cameron Klein's Garage. We are joined by Eric Reese of the Philadelphia Sports Network and also a colleague of ours on 97.5 The Street Team. Eric, how are you doing today? Well, doing doing really good. It's um, you know, it's it's raining outside, so the weather is not as you know as well as it was last night. But we're inside. We're getting closer to hockey. We have a few things breaking down as far as the draft lottery is concerned. So I feel like everything for the 2020 post postseason and the off season going into the draft is just really coming together. It just it feels like hockey is finally on its way back. Glad you feel that way. I certainly feel that way. And Cameron, as we turn things over to you, how are you doing today? And more importantly, are you feeling that way? About I, I am feeling that way. Um, Twitter, Twitter, every once in a while is making me feel not that way. I, feel like <laughs> I have to stay at, off Twitter because at, of that. Every time, whether it's the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, the, as soon as somebody mentions something getting restarted or picking back up, it's just a litany of, of just comments of just like, no, it's not. No, it isn't. And we like, can't have sports. We have to cancel sports until 2025. And like, I get that, you know, I, I understand too that it's people that want to be safe and, and they have to go about this in a very calculated, smart, safe way. Um, but I think they're doing that. I think they're taking the proper steps. Uh, they're taking the proper precautions. And uh, so I don't like seeing the negativity. I'm just hopefully optimistic. Um, if it is deemed un- too unsafe, then of course, you know, we can't go ahead with it. But as of right now, like Eric said, it seems like everything is on track, so I'm, I'm hopefully optimistic. Well, I hopefully things are on track. You know, there's so much to discuss when it comes to the return of hockey, and specifically, we're talking about the Stanley Cup playoffs, and we're also going to be talking, of course, about the Philadelphia Flyers, who will be in the round robin to see where they end up in terms of the seeding. With Eric, we're going to be talking about his playoff bracket and how he sees, sees things playing out in the Stanley Cup playoffs this year. And also, we want to talk to Eric about what the Flyers would have to do to go on a great cup run. And we also want to talk to him about some players. So we'll open up with that. Eric, Joel Farabee, and Morgan Frost were the two big-time rookies that came up to the Philadelphia Flyers this year. There was a lot of anticipation behind their arrival. There was a lot of anger when both of them eventually got sent down. How would you assess uh, Joel Farabee and Morgan Frost's rookie seasons? And where do you think they fall, grand scheme of things, of the Flyers' future? So I think they're going to be uh, two players like clearly they were used as depth uh talent this season um with with uh, misha going to the khl on a three-year deal that opens up another uh slot for them to uh, for either Farabee or morgan frost to really step up and get more playing time because misha he had a few games this season on kind of just to see where how he can develop from the ahl to the nhl I think Farabee and Morgan Frost have taken that next step to really get the attention of Elaine Vigneault. Now, I think we're going to see these two players um, be useful sooner rather than later, and I think it's going to happen with the 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, right now, Joe Farabee is out practicing, and just before the season went on a pause due to the pandemic, uh, Farabee was playing in place of James Van Riemsdyk because of his, his injury. Um, the Flyers, if the Flyers decide to use Joel Farabee over Nate Thompson, I don't think that will be as surprising um, as some other uh, analysts or even fans would feel. Even though Nate Thompson was brought to this team because of his playoff uh, playoff playoff experience, but I will say this with. 
Farabee, he has this explosive quickness that I think we're going to get more mileage out of his talent and his skill. And I think yeah. with putting in younger talent like Farabee or even Frost in some of these uh, Stanley Cup final or Stanley Cup final, Stanley Cup uh, playoff games, they're going to get that experience underneath their belt in their first years. So it's going to be a big, just very, very essential uh, key of this Philadelphia Flyers youth that they're going to they're going to go against these teams that are very tough and they all have an opportunity of raising the cup at the end of the season. I think now if you put them in against these tough teams, the Philadelphia Flyers they're going to really see you know who like what sticks on you know when they, when they go ahead and put together their uh, lineups each each uh, season. I think Farabee and Frost right now being able to show their talent on such a grand uh, stage is something that I want to see. I think Elaine Vigneault wants to see. I think all, everybody wants to see Farabee and Frost out there versus, you know, and Nate Thompson. Now, um, I understand that, like, like we were saying, Nate Thompson's experience, but the round-robin games are less of a risk because you're not on the side of being eliminated. So during those round-robin games, just for the reseeding against uh, teams like the Bruins, and the Capitals and the Lightning, I would expect to see Farabee or Frost out there just because they've earned it this year as far as the uh, the regular season performances has gone. Yeah, I like where you're going with that um, in terms of like the, the valuable experience that these guys can learn. And uh, I, I was feeling the same way, that they might experiment a little bit with the, both of them, especially Joel Farabee as he has a little bit more time playing in the NHL than Frost does this season. Um, but yeah, experimenting with them a little bit to get them in the lineup and get them experience against, like you said, these I mean top caliber teams in the, in the NHL to play in a playoff game, regardless, is, is a great experience for anybody or for any player. Um, but playing against one of the top four teams in the East in, in a playoff-like atmosphere is, is exponential. And, yeah, going off for both Joel Farabee and, and Morgan Frost, I think as a Flyers fan, um, you could be very, very excited about both of these guys. Joel Farabee, uh, looking at his point production from the season, he has eight goals and 13 assists in a total of 52 games uh, with a plus-minus of six. Um, I love the plus minus aspect. That's a rookie with a plus minus of yeah, six. Yeah, exactly. That's really impressive. Exactly. Um, and, and the thing is, too, is even if those numbers are relatively lower compared to other players throughout the league, I'm not just saying rookies, I'm saying just compared to all players, especially star players like we expect Joel Farabee to turn into. When you watch him play, you can see his playmaking ability. You can see he's he's almost seems to be in the right place at the right time all the time. There's just certain little fine-tuning things that he needs to pick up on, and eventually that will come with experience, which I think he can gain during these playoffs. I think when you look at Joel Farabee, Eric, you th I mean, this was a guy that... I mean, I think everyone wanted to see him come up, and there was question when Elaine Vigneault was initially hired because there was some talk of, well, he doesn't really like the young guys. Well, yeah. he gave these young guys an opportunity, and Joel Farabee went a long way with that opportunity and did some really nice things for the Flyers. Morgan Frost as well. Yes, I agree with Cameron that maybe Frost needs a little bit more time than Farabee necessarily does to be get, be, uh, get, to get that maturity to become more NHL-ready. But these two players, the what they represent for the future of the Philadelphia Flyers, also when you think about what the Flyers already have on their active roster... It's incredibly encouraging. Yeah, exactly. Because what was the last time we felt this good about the Flyers' future, especially mm -hmm. after last season when the coaching era was going to change? You knew you knew Scott Gordon probably wasn't going to be back, and you knew that just where is this team headed? Well, now the, the arrow is trending upward, and it's thanks to guys 
like Ron Hextall, who built this farm league the way that he did. It's thanks to coaches like Elaine Vigneault, and it's thanks, really, to the production from these two rookies that we got this year who have mm-hmm. really made things encouraging. So I think that these two players, where they go from here, things can only get better for those two. And yeah. Eric, I wanted to also ask you about goals. You know, we talk about goalies, and obviously Carter Hart is the future of the Philadelphia Flyers. I wanted to ask you what your thoughts were on guys like Alex Lyon and uh, even Felix Sandstrom, if you feel that they have a future in the Flyers organization or if they might be better suited for trade bait down the line. So uh, as far as the goaltenders that aren't necessarily called up to the uh, main roster for the Philadelphia Flyers, I still have faith in Alex Lyon. I, I think a lot of people do write Alex Lyon off, but you have to remember it's hard to bring an AHL goalie into the NHL on like on a just on a dime and expect them to win. And Alex Lyon did it against the Colorado Avalanche this year. Like that that's a formidable opponent that's very, very explosive on offense that Alex Lyon was able to collect a win off of. I think uh we haven't seen much out of out of uh Felix you'd be called up to the uh, main roster because Alex Lyon's usually the first, uh, you know, emergency goalie, third goalie who's called up, especially, you know, it was only a season ago. We went through eight goalies and that, that's an anomaly. God, you don't need to remind me of that one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's an anomaly, but you saw what we had and that was at least uh, encouraging to see, you know, who, who, who we had at the time. Um, Alex Lyon was called up. At, at different times, and he's been able to at least perform in the NHL. He's never looked horrible, in my well, in my opinion. Like he's had he's had like one bad game, uh, this this 2019-2020 season. But that was you know at the same time his first game he got called up on. Like I wasn't expecting him to win, um, yeah. but putting getting you know the W against the Colorado Avalanche, who we'll talk later, is one of the dominant teams in the Western Conference in these upcoming playoffs. That's huge for Alex Lyon. So I, I still have a lot of faith in Alex Lyon, uh, at least being a solid, um, you know, third goalie that will be called up. Now, do I think he'll be a a goaltender that the uh, Philadelphia Flyers rely on as a backup to Carter Hart at some time? Probably not. But I do, I, I have I have some faith in him being able to come up and just do, play his role in the um, NHL, you know, if a, if a goaltender gets gets injured. And it's funny that you bring him up. Um, I know that the Philadelphia Flyers, they can carry five extra roster members uh, for these 2020 uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. So I think two locks are Joel Farabee and Alex Lyon. Um, Morgan Frost, I think, is a strong candidate. So there's three down. I would say... You have two forwards. You have one goal goaltender. You have to bring up a defenseman. I think that's just smart. So Mark Friedman, he's shown at least in his time on the uh, Philadelphia Flyers roster this season that he can be productive. And the fifth spot, I don't know if you wait to see. Okay, who like who who can we bring up from the AHL, or do we wait to see? if Nolan Patrick can actually play in these playoffs, depending on how his migraines feel and how he feels. If Nolan Patrick's ready to go, it's an absolute no-brainer that you bring up Nolan Patrick. Um, but yeah, those would be my five, and I'm including Nolan Patrick in my five, because I have faith that, you know, maybe during this whole quarantine that he's 
felt better and he's actually you know borrowed some time that you know during the season there would just been games that he's missed we would have been pretty deep um into the playoffs actually we would have been done the playoffs if we would have had a stanley cup champion by now but with this pandemic he's he's borrowed some time maybe nolan patrick is a is a guy that uh no one's really thinking about he could be ready to, to play once this um once these playoffs actually start who knows we don't we don't know this whatsoever no one's you know said any information about his status and he's ready to go this is all no we've heard nothing about nolan right now like that's 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 actually really interesting that you say that it's been it's been eric might understand this reference because he's also an eagles fan it's been namdi quiet about (laughs) nolan patrick yes and i i think that that's really really telling i i don't necessarily Mm -hmm. know if it's a good sign i i would hope i would love to think it's not a yeah. bad sign but yeah. the fact that we've heard nothing about nolan patrick we've heard mm-hmm. more about oscar lindblom who's coming off of cancer treatments yeah. than right. where nolan patrick is and you yeah. can only hope that patrick is progressing and getting ready maybe to a point where he could appear in these stanley cup playoffs yeah and i think like you know we i'm glad that that journalists and, and fans are respecting nolan's uh privacy the Some. Only, but again the only thing that i that i see from him in terms of just news is just secondhand news of, mm-hmm. of people saying well i hear he's doing better but i don't hear anything from the flyers i don't hear anything from him uh eric we we're talking about flyers playoff hockey and we're talking about guys that could be on the roster to help this team move forward and guys that you know will probably take a seat during the playoffs the philadelphia flyers won 40 games this year and it was probably one of the most fun years we've had as flyers fans going all the way back to 2012 when they played the penguins in the first round of the playoffs and obviously, as we get into your bracket, you'll explain, you know, why they will or why they won't go and win the Stanley Cup Finals. But for the Flyers to go on this cup run, what do they have to do to see themselves in the final round of these playoffs? So for the, for the Flyers to go on a deep run in the Stanley Cup playoffs, it's important for the defense to play complete games of hockey. Um, as many times we've seen the Flyers you know, put a put a dominant second and third period together, but fall behind the first. And, and in the playoffs, there's always those statistics that you see. Teams that score the first goal win X amount of games. The first goal is always going to be very important. Um, so, yeah, they, it's really, it comes out to having a hot start and keeping that hot start, especially defensively. Um, because some of these games, they're going to be low scoring. They're going to you, they're going to be that two to one or one nothing game. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. As far as, what we've seen against some of these uh, round-robin opponents, um, like the Bruins, there, there's been luck. There's been luck involved. I mean, we all we all remember Martian missing that uh, that puck, that still puck on the, in a shootout. So, hey, if, <laughs> if, if, if luck is going to give us a win, a win's a win, right? You know, like we, yeah, well, I'm not going to yeah. say no to that. Um, right. But the Flyers have also had, uh, lost late games, you know, to teams like the Maple Leafs, like the Maple Leafs. I see. I can see the Maple Leafs being the Flyers' first opponent um, after you know the the receding that I did and things like that. That kind of gives a hint to where we're starting at. Um, yeah. But the Maple Leafs they forced the Flyers to go into overtime a, a couple times this season, where quite frankly the Flyers should have won regulation. And mm-hmm. the Islanders have had the uh, Flyers' numbers, so if they see the Islanders yeah. in these playoffs. There's a, there's been times where you know. Like, there is one game in particular. Elliot was in net. The Flyers were up with 10 minutes remaining in the third, and they squandered the game and went to overtime and lost. And you're sitting there wondering, the way that game 
uh, played out up until those final 10 minutes. And it wasn't a doubt in my mind. I was just waiting for the Flyers to close out the game, and then they, they just squandered it away. You, you got you to gotta play these complete games. And goaltending, of course, is going to be a big factor, as it is for every single team. Um, in my opinion, you always have to roll with the hot hand. And I look at these round-robin teams, so if the Flyers do see a Capitals team or a Lightning team or a, um, or a Bruins team, later on these playoffs, you, you got to understand that Brian Elliott's not a bad idea to put in, in against uh, some of those teams. Yeah, no, I, I agree with the whole goaltending situation. It's, it's so crucial. The Flyers have to be able to play these teams well. I think that when you look at where they are offensively, it's going to be, there really will be some of those games. It is two to one and one nothing, like Eric says, Cameron. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And this is where I my respect for the Tampa Bay Lightning always dissipates because I think that they're all fire and then it turns into then a, a bucket of water gets dumped on them in the playoffs. They can't score eight goals in the playoffs because that's just not how the playoffs work. You have to be willing to win a 2-1 to game. And that is where I really believe the Flyers are truly battle-tested. Mm-hmm. They have blown leads late in games. It seems to be a thing that they've just gone through the last few years. But when the pressure has been on this team throughout the season, they have answered the call every single time. They've been able to grind out these closer games that teams like Tampa Bay, that Washington, I just don't think have been able to. Yeah, especially especially toward the, the end of, of the season. They they were a, a very a team that showed so much perseverance in, in every game. But the, the one thing that Eric brought up that I really liked, too, was the fact that they, they have to be quick. Because the, the Flyers all season, it always seemed like they were, had one period at some point where they would they would kind of take the period off. Um, and it large portion of the season, it was the first period. It always felt like they had a really slow start. Second period, they started to get it back together. The third period always seemed to be where the Flyers did the best. Um, I think back to the Columbus game, honestly, when they yeah. were down 2 to nothing almost in an instant. And that yes. was with Brian Elliott and Nett, and they had that comeback win. But that's a good example of just first period blues for the Flyers. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and, and again, we talked about before in this podcast, I think it was somewhere around 70% of the teams that score first throughout the entire NHL not usually win the game. 70% and, of the time. So, Eric, I'm sure you'll agree, teams that win game one in the playoffs – there's always there's always a high percentage chance that the teams that win game one in their series end up winning that series. Oh yeah, it's a, it's a it's a momentum factor. The the these series when you play the same team for you know five games you know in the play in whatever team you are or seven games in the rest of the uh, playoffs, it's a momentum thing. If you can cut off if you can lose that uh, first uh, game and and cut off. Uh, you know, at the uh, momentum and, and come back and win the second game, you're doing yourself clearly a favor, but you have to make sure that second game is just dominated when, you, when you're coming back. So the Flyers, let's or say, to go down to, let's say they play the Bruins, right? Um, mm-hmm. Actually, no, let's, let's use this as more of an example. Let's go back to 2010. Being down three games there, those last four games – the Flyers played, and they had the tenacity of saying, hey, this is probably the last time we're ever going to see the ice for four games straight. Yeah. I mean, having that sort of energy to, to go out mm-hmm. and play these teams, that's what, that's what you need to have all playoffs. You can't go out there and say, okay, we're down, so we now we really have to bring the heat. Come out raging. Come out like how you said in uh, 2012 against the Penguins. 
where, you know, within the first 20 seconds of the game, even less, Drew hits Crosby. They come out like yeah. that every game. I want to see, yeah. and I want to see, uh, that know, tenacity. Nicholas Abe Kubel knock someone in the next month because that's what he does. <laughs> that's what I want to see. Like, I mean, quite frankly, have the forwards set the tones to the defense is now like, okay, we got forwards hitting. Now we really need to do our job and step the physicality because if the forwards can hit, you have no excuse on defense. Now, real quick, you know, before we move on to bracket talk, we also yesterday before audio issues happened, talked about the the best flyers from this season. And so I wanted to quickly, you know, readdress that with you because your best flyer, Eric, that you had listed was the the popular pick, but it was a very important forward that without the Flyers probably are nowhere near a 40-win team. Oh, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. So my, my pick, and it is a popular one, and everybody just say it with me, it's Sean Couturier. Yeah, um, yeah, Sean, Sean Couturier, Couturier. <laughs> is the, the Flyer that is the most impressive in my eyes. I mean, let's just take a look, because we, we know the, the type of player he is. He's a two-way forward defensively one of the best in, in the league at his, at a, at a, as a forward. And I'm pretty sure – now, I, I'm not comparing in front of me right now like what his face-off percentage is to every other player in the league. But when you have a 59.7 face-off win percentage, I'm pretty sure he's the best at the dot in the league. And if he's not, right. then he's probably top three. I'm very, very convinced he's top three. Like I'll say that with 100% confidence um so i'll i'll i'm gonna interrupt you real quick sean couturier was number one in the league in faceoffs at 59.6 below him was jt miller at 59.2 of vancouver and then also claude Giroux was also number four at 59 percent. so you had two flyers that were 59 percent or better in faceoffs the flyers in general had the the highest faceoff percentage throughout incredible just incredible and sean couturier is a big part of that yeah there's a lot of times where I was doing game previews this season and it got to the point where we're talking about face-off possession and I'm just I, I, I almost got to the point where I wasn't going to like re-edit the way that I uh, worded things because I look at the Flyers I'm like okay so I don't have to worry about this team ever being under 50% as a team um, for the face-offs like all right let's look at them right now Sean Couturier you got Claude Giroux Kevin Hayes 50.2 you had Scott Lawton, 53.9. You had uh, Michael Roffel. You can still almost count him because he he had, yeah, he had over 100. So over 100 face-offs for Michael Roffel this year, 50.3, because then you're reaching territories where they haven't surpassed 100 face-offs. And I try to keep it on a relative sample size. Sean Couturier was the best out of, uh, out of that whole crop. And if we're looking... Um, at, at Couturier, I mean, his average ice time is 19 minutes and, and 50 seconds. He's at, he has a plus 21. And all season long, he's had uh, 37 assists, 22 goals. Like, he's more of a playmaker than a goal scorer. So he's making the team around him better when he's on the ice. And that's just apparent by his plus minus anyway. But... When you're on the ice and the entire team around you is just better because of your presence, that's what makes one individual player impressive. That's what makes that one individual player stand out. To me, it's 
to me, it's a no-brainer that Sean Couturier is a Selkie Award winner, not a finalist. I think you think I think he is the flat-out winner. I'm trying to be unbiased about it, and I really do think I am being unbiased about it, even when I say Sean, Sean Couturier is the winner. Listen, when when you have when you look at the the Selkie finalists and you look at all the players. Yeah, we're Flyers fans, but it shouldn't take a Flyers fan to look at Sean Couturier and be like, you know what? He's just simply better than all these finalists, at least for this season. Yeah, I can't maybe yeah. speak to all the seasons combined right. that guys like Brad Marchand and Sean Couturier have played. But as far as this season goes, it is Sean Couturier. Yeah. And I love the pick of Couturier. Mm-hmm. And before we get to your pick, Cameron, I just want to go ahead and state mine. Yeah, yeah. I looked at everyone that has contributed to the Flyers in a big way this year. And I thought it was a bit of an underrated pick. And, and I know that it's supposed to be the best player, you know, the guy that stands out the most. But I look at a guy like Matt Niskanen, who mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. has turned around the Flyers' defensive core. We had to deal with guys like Mark Streit and Andrew McDonald. And and uh, when Shane Gossespierre wasn't playing and he was one of your better defensemen and he wasn't playing that well, that was a problem. Mm-hmm. But then you bring in guys like... Matt Niskanen and Justin Braun, and these were guys that really took over. But Niskanen stands out among all of them because he helped Ivan Provorov's game become better. They became a top defensive pairing. I think they're one of the most underrated, maybe even one of the best ones in all of hockey right now. Niskanen, without him, I I just I can't imagine the Flyers are as good of a team, even close to it. And so he would he gets my vote one hundred percent. Yeah, I think there are four players on defense that have played. Uh, over 60 games for the Flyers this season. Those four players are Justin mm. Braun, uh, Matt Niskanen, Ivan Provorov, Travis Sanheim. Niskanen does have the, uh, the the best plus minus, which which is what I usually look at as a defenseman to see how you know how effective they are on the ice. Um, mm-hmm. But he's only three points off of Ivan Provorov for the, you know the highest total of points, in the, which is for, surprising. For it is a yeah. little surprising because, you know, you don't normally think of Matt Niskanen being the guy that gets on the score sheet, whether it be assists or goals, but there he is. He's right yeah. behind Ivan Provorov. It's just Niskanen, I could – what a trade that was. What a trade yeah. to bring him into Philadelphia. Yeah, especially for what we got rid of. I mean, uh, like we mentioned it before, how the Flyers were were kind of criticized for the trade. Yes. Because um, they got rid of Rodko Gudas, and a lot of people criticized because he was younger. Um, but the big thing is, is Matt Niskanen brings in so much more experience. He brings in so much more veteran experience. The, t- the only two teams that he's been a part of were the Washington Capitals and the Pittsburgh Penguins, which have been the two dominant forces in the Metropolitan for the the, for the, the last Eastern decade. Conference as a whole. Niskanen was a part of two Stanley Cup winning teams. Exactly. He, When you think of playoff hockey, like Eric said, you think of goaltending and defense wins championships. And Matt mm-hmm. Niskanen was a core part of of the Washington Capitals 2018 run, and he was a part of that 2009 Pittsburgh team that went on that incredible run to defeat Detroit in the Stanley Cup. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I think he's pretty much became a true leader uh, in the locker room immediately, a lot like uh, some other guys have, like Kevin Hayes, but I think Matt Niskanen is right up there with him in terms of the impact that he made. Um, And another thing I think about is, is Robert Hag. I think he Robert Hag has gone almost night and day from last season to this season. I think he's really, really improved. And I think a lot of that comes from, from Matt Niskanen. Matt Niskanen, as we saw in the mic up video with Matt Niskanen a couple months ago, how much he mentored Robert Hag, how much he cared for him, how much he wanted to make sure that he was praised for the things that he did well, criticized for things he didn't do well. So I think Matt Niskanen, I agree with you, made a huge impact. But for mine, I had it down as two people. Uh, we mentioned both of them already. Uh, Sean Couturier was up there for me, obviously. Because I think, like we both said, I think he's the best player on this team right now. Um, I love Claude Giroux. I think 
Claude Giroux is is pro- honestly underrated in in terms of all time flyer status. He's probably one of the. He's. He, I think he was. You could make the argument that he's the most important Philadelphia Flyers player over the last fifteen years. I would agree. I would agree one hundred percent. Um. But as of right now, as of this season, I think Sean Couturier is the better player. I think I he's agree. becoming the best player on our team, hands down. But for my pick, um, it, it has to be Ivan Provorov. And and largely because when we talked about time on ice before uh, with, with Sean Couturier being in 19 minutes, 49 seconds. Number two is Matt Niskanen with twenty minutes or 21 minutes and 54 seconds. Number one is Ivan Provorov with 24 minutes and 50 seconds. So you take a look at his plus-minus uh, and I'm pulling up my notes here. He has uh, a, a, a 11 on the, on the plus minus Ivan Provorov. But and when you look at Provorov, there's only four other players that have taken more shots than Provorov this year. Now, so Provorov has taken the most amount of shots of all defensemen. Those mm-hmm. four players that have taken more shots than Provorov this year are Van Riemsdyk, Couturier, Claude Giroux, and Kevin Hayes. And on and as a, and as a defensive player on the power play, uh, Provorov's been easily the um, the the most productive defensive player on a power play, and he and he basically filled in for uh, Gossesbury when Gossesbury went down. So we'll turn things over now towards the Stanley Cup playoffs. We've outlined what the Flyers have to do to go on a Cup run. We've outlined who the most important Flyers have been from this season, and now we will go to Eric Reese of Philadelphia Sports Network to see where the Flyers fall, along with all the other NHL teams in this year's Stanley Cup playoffs. So what we're going to do, Eric, I'm going to read you. Or rather, I'm going to read you the qualifying rounds. You'll give me your winner. And then after that, I'll let you continue to go on because that's when all of our brackets start to kind of deviate a little bit. But I figured that would be the easiest way to go about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure thing. So let's talk about the, uh, the round-robin reseeding yes. first. That's going to happen during the same time as the playing rounds. Um, the round-robin reseeding. So I had the Lightning and the East being the first seed after the whole round robin seven done. The Flyers as the second seed, Capitals third seed. Bruins will go from first to last. Well, you know what? I If the Flyers end up in, in the second spot, I'm going to be feeling pretty good going into their first playoff series. Yeah, and, and it's it's interesting that you have, because I have pretty much the same thing, but for both East and West, I have the third and fourth flopped. Um, I have Boston in three, Washington in four, and Colorado in three, and Dallas in four. But you make a good point that, it really doesn't always matter about which team is better. It always matters more about the matchups, just how they match up together, how the talents match up together. Um, so I think that's that's when people make their brackets. If you go by matchup every single time for every game and every round, I think you'd really be surprised at who you usually have coming out on top. Yeah, so we're, we're going to get to the, a few of those surprises, uh, especially even in the, uh, the uh, play-in rounds. Yes, and let's get to those play-in rounds. We'll start in the Eastern Conference. The Toronto Maple Leafs as the 8th seed will be taking on the Columbus Blue Jackets as the ninth seed. Eric, who's winning that series? So I have the Maple Leafs uh, advancing in those playing rounds against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, mostly just because from what I've seen, and, and, and a lot of this against these uh, playing teams, when I, when I um, analyze these, play, these, these playing teams, it's mostly how I've seen them on the ice against the Flyers. And I think that's actually a good... Uh, measure measurements to how how talented these teams are because the Flyers are are, are a good team clearly they're they're in the round robin they're protected in the in the one through four seeds so when you're looking at the Maple Leafs and you're looking at the Columbus Blue Jackets um, a Maple Leafs versus the Blue Jackets then I would give the advantage to the Maple Leafs also based on what I've seen between those two teams. 
So we move on to the Pittsburgh Penguins versus the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, I, I, I'm sure the three of us would all agree, but Eric, uh, any dissent from the ranks? Does Montreal pull off the upset? No, I have the Penguins. I have the Penguins. Uh, yeah, um, I didn't think so. <laughs> just staying, staying where they are uh, as a fifth seed that should be in the playoffs. Give it to the Penguins. New York Islanders are taking on the Florida Panthers. We talked about it a little bit yesterday that you thought the Islanders would be the dark horse of the Eastern Conference, so I assume that you think that they'll cruise over Florida. Yeah, that, I have that. Uh, the New York Islanders are better than what uh, their seeding says. Actually, I, I think the Islanders are the epitome of what we call sneaky good. So they they might play spoiler to a lot. I, I completely agree, 100%. I think... You know, a lot of that comes from Barry Trotz, and I talk all the time about how much I love him as a coach. Um, but I, I agree 100%. I think the New York Islanders, there's only a few teams, because again, I think the, this Philadelphia Flyers team is a very good team, and I think they match up well against most of these playoff teams, because they've always played well throughout the entire season against the tougher teams, it seems like. Um, but there's only a couple of teams that I am worried about the Flyers facing, and, and the New York Islanders is, is definitely one, because one, they've had our number, but like you're saying, just in, in regards to this entire tournament, I, the Islanders are sneaky good. To round out the qualifier in the Eastern Conference, Carolina Hurricanes versus the New York Rangers. Uh, who's pulling off the upset here, uh, Eric? I'm taking the Rangers. I'm, so I know that they're one of those uh, playing teams that, you know, if it wasn't for uh, COVID, they would not be in this, you know, in the playoffs. They would be excluded from a normal 16-team uh, format. But the New York Rangers are my team that I'm taking in this uh, in this specific series, and that rounds out the uh, teams that will at least be contending uh, for a quarterfinal position. So just to go just to retract, so then it's for for Eric here. It's going to be Toronto moving on, Pittsburgh moving on, the New York Islanders, and then the New York Rangers as well. So. Uh, let's, I guess, start with the West, right? Yeah, we'll go to the qualifiers in the West. And for the record, that's not too far from what Cameron and I have. The only yeah. difference is that Cameron has Columbus mm-hmm. winning. Mm-hmm. But starting in the West, Calgary Flames versus the Winnipeg Jets. Eric? Yeah, I'm taking the Jets. Uh, I'm taking the Jets kind of in the same way that I'm taking the Islanders in the East. I think the Winnipeg Jets are another uh, another underdog team in the Western Conference that can play spoiler to a lot a lot of teams as well. Edmonton Oilers versus the Chicago Blackhawks. This is the old, This is really the only series, Eric, where you and I are just very, very different yeah, on. Yeah. So yeah, if you if you think about this, it, it's kind of in, in this weird. Uh, if you look at the the um, the draft lottery for the NHL, this is where you know we're talking about maybe Edmonton does get that first overall pick because I have the Blackhawks <laughs> pulling up the upset here. And uh, as we were talking earlier, could you imagine the Oilers getting another first overall pick? Well, maybe. Yeah, that one, it, it surprises me. I, 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 but I also see where you're, you're coming from. Even though Chicago really kind of, I mean, they are, I think, the definition of, of limped into these playoffs, them and Montreal. I, I think, think they're just debate, so mediocre. Yeah, as, as of which one deserves to be in the playoffs the, the, the least. But at the same time, there still are core pieces of that Dynasty Chicago team that are on this same team. You still have Jonathan Taves. You still have Patrick Kane. I mean, those are the two the two big guys from that Dynasty team it's that are true. still there. It's true. Listen, shades of Kane right under Michael Layton's leg. I'll never forget. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vancouver. <laughs> I'm upset that I'm reminding myself of that. <laughs> Vancouver Canucks are taking on the Minnesota Wild. Eric, Vancouver, or do the Wild uh, shock the world? 
Yeah, I think the Wild do shock the world. This is this is really panning out to be, um, you know, I know it's cliche, but this is the Wild Wild West as far as these um, <laughs> NHL playoffs are concerned. So the Jets, Wild, and uh, Blackhawks, yeah, I have advancing. You know, I got to say, if you're in the top four of the Western Conference and you're seeing the 12th seed of Chicago Blackhawks move on and the 10th seed of Minnesota Wild move on, you got to be feeling good as one of the top four teams in the West. Uh, final series, Nashville Predators, Peter Laviolette, less Nashville Predators versus the Phoenix Coyotes. Eric, who you got? So as much as I think the Coyotes are a sneaky good team too with a goaltender like uh, Kemper out there, I'm taking the Predators. So Eric's picks for the West are the Winnipeg Jets, the Chicago Blackhawks, the Minnesota Wild, and the Nashville Predators. And now, Eric, we're going we're, we're gonna to let you kind of take over from here a little bit since you have the reseedings and everything and you have different uh, playoff series than what Cameron and I have. So why don't you take us through your round one Eastern Conference? Okay, so yeah, since the NHL is reseeding each and every round for these playoffs, uh, starting with the Eastern Conference, we're going to go to the top-seeded Tampa Bay Lightning, who I have because of the round-robin seeding against the, at this time, AFC New York Rangers. Um, I have the Tampa Bay Lightning winning this in six games. So the Rangers are kind of giving them a little bit of a competitive matchup. I think a little bit more competitive than what people would expect. But uh, definitely Tampa Bay Lightning uh, winning that round. The Flyers, who I have second seed, would actually go against the seventh seed Maple Leafs. And I have the Flyers winning in six. Um, I think the Flyers, I think this game, I, I, this series could, it could go sh- even shorter. And then third seed Washington Capitals against the sixth seed New York Islanders. This is the first upset of the quarterfinals in the East. Um, actually the only upset of the quarterfinals in the East. So this will kind of, you know, spoiler the next series for you. But I have um, the New York Islanders defeating the Washington Capitals in seven games so that in my opinion you know being a flyers fan of course you want to watch flyers hockey um you know being a flyers writer of course you want to watch flyers hockey i think the new york islanders and the washington capitals is the series to watch in the in the uh in the quarterfinals well there's there's one main reason to watch that it would be barry trotz versus his old team yeah absolutely and honestly it's just to you know in, in my opinion I, saying what I said earlier about the New York Islanders being this underdog team, you, you kind of want to see how far the underdog can go. I mean, underdog is always the most compelling story of any sport. So, yeah, seeing how far the an underdog team can go, I have my eye on the Islanders. As much as I'm going to be watching Flyers hockey, I'm probably going to be watching Islanders hockey just as much, just to see, you know, if I am right, if I am crazy. Um, the final... Uh, series in the quarterfinals I have is the Boston Bruins fourth seed against the Pittsburgh Penguins fifth seed. I had the Bruins outlasting the Penguins six games, winning 4-2 in that series. So moving on, Western Conference. Eric, what you got? Western Conference. Um, I had the Blues beating the Blackhawks, and this is this is sweeping the Blackhawks. Um, so yeah. it's, it's yeah. one of those things where it's like, hey, we went a little bit further in the playoffs, so I guess there's a I, I, I pat myself on the back type of feeling to that. Like, we're not as bad as we thought we could be bad, but we have also are not going to improve. So you kind of have to ask yourself the question, 
are you competitive if you're the Blackhawks? Is there some sort of tanking idea? But I don't think you do when it, when you're in the postseason. I think that competitive spirit's always going to be there. It's dumb to tank, especially when the championships on the line. You got the Vegas Golden Knights, who I have as a second seed against the Minnesota Wild. Taking the Minnesota Wild over the Vegas Golden Knights as my first upset pick in the Western Conference quarterfinals in six games. And the uh, Dallas Stars, third seed against the Winnipeg Jets. So here's another underdog story. So, you know, as we were talking about the Islanders, I want to probably watch the Jets in the Western Conference. And I have them beating the Dallas Stars in seven games. Um, yeah. But we're going we're going to talk about the uh, the final series here, the uh, fourth seeded Colorado Avalanche after the whole reseeding process, according to my predictions, against the fifth seed at this time, Nashville Predators. I see. I have the Colorado Avalanche taking care of the Predators in five. I have to say, just real quick, Eric, big fan of the Wild Wild West uh, uh, theme. Mm-hmm. I just have to say that. The West is a lot closer, I think, in terms of competition, mainly because the top four teams of the West, I really don't believe, are better than the top four teams in the East. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, it brings everything a little bit closer together in terms of competition yeah. with these Western Conference teams. Yeah. No, I, I, I 100% agree with that. I think the overall um, like top eight seeds in the West probably – are not going to measure up to the top four seeds in the East. I think the East has kind of been, I mean, practically this, uh, here's another weird, like, you know, saying, but they've been, the East is really a beast. And, like, they really are. <laughs> the East like, is really a beast. I like it. We're at the semi-finals uh, right now. I'm going to start with the Eastern Conference because that seems to be, you know, the, the trend right now. The number one Tampa Bay Lightning reseeded against so at the uh at this time the number four new york islanders i had the new york islanders beating the Tampa bay lightning and i have them which i'm fine with because i think the lightning are chokers yeah i i I don't think that's a a crazy pick at all either again with with tampa as much talent as they have i i I just can't they gotta prove it they gotta prove it that's what it comes down to they have not earned my respect because they blew it against the columbus blue jackets after winning 62 games until they actually prove it i'm not buying any of the hype from coming out of tampa Bay. yeah exactly i i I always go back to last year's series i think that if john cooper hasn't gotten done with the amount of talent that he has on his team in every in almost every position um I, i don't see why he's going to get it done now right yeah i mean when they when they do defeat the uh, lightning, they do it decisively, so yeah. it's it's you know it does it sh- it goes to show it's not really these two to one games, it's more so these five to two games, things like that. Um, they were you know right. the, the Islanders were two one and zero, oh, so none of these games that they've won, I'm sorry, they haven't they haven't lost anything where it went to um where it went to you know extra time. So right. right. If, if it does go into an overtime period, it's in the Islanders' favor. And the longer the game goes, it's proven, based on the 2019-2020 regular season, that it, it's in the Islanders' favor. And that momentum, uh, that's lo- longer, the longer that you're playing the same team in the series, that means a lot of different things. And that's the whole story of the playoffs. I mean, that's why, you know, a lot of the times you'll see a team that's like, hey, you know, we're, we're – basically the president's cup ones well there's a reason why there's a president's cup curse i think the islanders are a team that's going to be able to outlast and stick with some top dog teams because hey these are two top dog teams the islanders might not yeah. be a top four seed in the east 
But when you look at uh, the Philadelphia Flyers and how they fared against these two teams, these are two teams that the Philadelphia Flyers don't want to see in these playoffs. And unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. they yeah. are going to see one of these teams in the playoffs because we go to the other semifinal series in the East, the number two Flyers against the number three Bruins. I had the Flyers beating the Bruins in seven. And yeah. it's, it's going to be one of those gritty, gritty, uh, you know, series, kind of exactly, probably. Yeah, I would say I'm convinced it's going to be like the 2009-2010 series where mm-hmm. it's just going to be every single game back and forth slugfest. I don't think the Flyers are going to go down three games, like exactly how that went, how that series went. But I will say this, the Flyers come out on top against the Bruins, and that will be the exclamation point on Sean Couturier's uh, Selkie Trophy case. I love mm. how he ties that in at yeah. the very end. Yeah, yeah. like it, it it just solidifies that Couturier should be the yeah. Selkie. I think that Philadelphia over Boston is not a crazy thing. I have them beating Boston at some point in these playoffs. Same. I so, say seven games as well. Yeah, same exact thing. So Philadelphia will meet the New York Islanders in the Eastern Conference Final. If we go over to the Western Conference, who will be the finalists for the Western Conference? So in the uh, first series I have for the semifinals, it is the number one seeded Blues against the number four seed Minnesota Wild. I have the Blues winning in five. So if you're, if we're all paying attention to how dominant I think the Blues are out of the quarterfinals and the semifinals, they've lost one cumulative game, and that was to the Wild. Yeah. I like it. All right, so Blues are going to the Western Conference Final. Who is going to be their opponent? So the Colorado Avalanche, number two seed against the Winnipeg Jets, number three. I'm going to say the Colorado Avalanche in six games. However... I do think that this series can go either way. So it was very hard for me to select who the uh, winner of this series would be. I could see the Winnipeg Jets also winning in six in six games. I mean, flip the coin here for the most part. Uh, but I'm I am going to roll the uh, Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, I like both of your picks, um, and I like what you were talking about with St. Louis. How they have only lost one game. I think that's that's pretty accurate to what we're probably going to see. Um, when I look at St. Louis, I also think a lot about the Philadelphia Flyers. I see some comparisons in terms of offensive production, in terms of just how everybody is contributing on that team. There's no one person who is who is doing so much better than the rest of the team. You look at a guy like Nathan McKinnon, who has 100-some points, and uh, I think the next the next highest point scorer on the team is Cal Maker with 50. That's It's not that case uh, for the St. Louis Blues. They have a lot of depth. Uh, and that's also without having Vladimir Tarasenko as well. So you having them only lose one game going into the Western Final, I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility whatsoever. But um, so I guess yeah, just moving on to, to your to your actual final picks um, for the Eastern Conference Finals. Who who do you have winning that? So the Eastern Conference Finals, it's the uh, Flyers' first seed against the New York Islanders' second seed, and this is where it gets hard to uh, say these words, but. I do have the New York Islanders beating the Flyers, and as... Heresy! Yeah. This is heresy to put against the Flyers on a Flyers podcast. It is. It's, it's hard, it's hard to uh, say that because, like, yes, it's it's not it's not a secret. Like, I'm a Flyers fan. I'm a Flyers writer. You, I get into this business because I have a, such an appreciation for hockey, whether it's, you know, Flyers hockey or whoever it is, but it, it, it's, it's one of those, you know, you guys were talking about earlier. It's hard to believe something if you haven't seen it before well we haven't seen the flyers defeat the islanders at all this season and that's kind of where i'm at right now like i i can't give them a 
and this and this is this is also going to hurt to say I can't give them a ultra competitive series against them. Like I have the Islanders winning five. Yeah, see, like I will say this: you talked about this yesterday. I can't. I understand that the Flyers' number really was had by the Islanders. I don't think it would be a five-game series. I think at that point, both teams have been on even footing. The play- playoffs have restarted. I could definitely see the Islanders beating the Philadelphia Flyers in the Eastern Conference Final. I, I, I would actually pick the Islanders. I, to I wouldn't them. think it's in five. I would say that could go six or seven. I would be very surprised if the Flyers just get wiped off the planet yeah. in five games. That would yeah. be impressive but, for the But Islanders. in Eric's defense, I, I also don't see it out of the realm of possibility. But mm-hmm. I, I agree. I think it would be... It could be a little bit more competitive, but I, I would have the Islanders winning that again. Like I said when we first started talking about these brackets, is that you know you would be surprised when you look at just going by matchups alone. You would be surprised as who you see in the finals, and so it always comes down to matchups. And like Eric said, the Islanders have just had the Flyers' numbers, man. Islanders beating the Flyers in five games, according to Eric Reese. Eric, who will the Islanders be playing in the Stanley Cup Finals? So we had the Blues number one seed against the Colorado Avalanche number two seed. So the Blues have been the number one seed in every single aspect of my predictions from the, the round robin all the way to the western conference finals the avalanche have went from the fourth seed in round robin now they're at the best possible position they can be as a second seed um what i have here is this six games i'm taking the colorado avalanche now and it's supposed to come down to this jordan bennington has been pretty much dominant against I don't know, practically any opponent that the Blues could be faced off against in these playoffs. The Avalanche are practically the only team that have been able to solve Bennington. Like, actually, Bennington was removed mm-hmm. from one of the games, like, um, benched bench in one of these games, and not because he got injured, it was because of his performance. So, yeah. to bench Bennington because the Blues are just that, they're down the deficit that quickly. It's almost unheard of this season because Bennington is also a goaltender that, quite frankly, I, I mean, if he's not a Vezina Award finalist, I, I don't know what they measure the Vezina Award by anymore. Like, I, Jordan Bennington is a guy where I think Vezina, he just pops into my mind. Now, if his if his goal, um, I'm sorry, if his uh, save percentage is not, you know, to, to, to the Vezina finalist, then that blows my mind because after watching him in the eye test, I would think that he probably is a premier goaltender in this league. Probably like top three yeah. Well, he is a premier goaltender in this league. Yeah. Yeah, but, I, um, I have the same, actually, Western Conference Finals of you. I have Colorado facing off against St. Louis as well, and I have Colorado winning too. I think it's I think it's a good team to pick to yeah. go to the Stanley Cup Finals. You, and Eric mentioned it. They have... Gabriel Landeskog, they have mm-hmm. Nathan McKinnon, mm-hmm. they have a, a Calmaker is just has been one of the best you know all around scorers yeah. for especially at his age oh, and where yeah. he was picked in the draft and how you don't always see those types of guys contributing mm-hmm. where they oh, yeah. still, he was a fourth he was like a fourth overall pick and he was a steal at that point yeah so Colorado going to the Stanley Cup Finals I can totally buy and I think also that, this I feel like it I, I pray that that series happens because I think St. Louis against Colorado will be the most exciting series in the of playoffs. the series that Eric has listed I would say that that is probably the most entertaining one yes. to, to you yeah. know to actually happen so Eric we have Colorado going to the Stanley Cup Finals and they're taking on the mighty New York Islanders a battle of really two different philosophies defense yeah. and discipline versus offensive prowess and speed yes who is taking home Lord Stanley's Cup the Avalanche have a, a very very potent offense as well so when you're yes, when you're when you're exactly. saying you know hey 
both of these teams have a potent offense. That makes sense to me. Both of these teams have a good tandem of goaltenders. That makes sense to me. What stands out is yep. Colorado's defense. And we're talking about a complete team playing complete games. I think that the Islanders, they can get hot and score and just, you know, have that lead where the Avalanche don't come back a couple, you know, a few times in this uh, series. Only, well, I would say twice because I'm saying this in six games. But I'm taking the Avalanche in six games to win the Stanley Cup uh, Finals and raise the cup. Yeah, I, it's funny because I actually have the Flyers playing against the Colorado Avalanche just because, uh, you know, luckily in my bracket, the, the way things shaped out, the Flyers didn't have to face off against the Islanders or the Tampa Bay Lightning, which is luckily. I'm kind of, yeah, I'm kind of having my fingers crossed for. Hopefully that is actually the case. Um, but I, I also have Colorado winning. Uh, I believe I have them winning in seven games, but I, I agree with everything you just said. I think they are just the more balanced team. Um, and I, I, I they're, they're goaltending as well. I mean, on both sides for the Islanders and for Colorado, but the goaltending is phenomenal. But just the, just the balanced aspect of, of Colorado's goaltending, it just it, it kind of scares me, honestly. And that goes for them and St. Louis. But I think either one of those teams, if they're in the Stanley Cup final, they're, they're going to be a brick wall that you're going to have to try to chip away at. So I think that really comes down to, to the offenses, like you were saying, um, and, and both the defenses. I think that because... Not only is Colorado's defense a brick wall, but they can score. And, and most of that falls on Calmaker's shoulders. Um, but I, I agree completely. They, they, I think, are the most well-rounded team. And the way the matchups line up for Colorado, it seems like they're, they're going to be the ones lifting Lord Stanley's Cup. Well, I'll say this. Well. The, the Colorado Avalanche have been one of the most fun teams to watch all year. They were definitely one of the best teams in the NHL. Mm-hmm. I thought that... If they were in a situation where they would play a team like Edmonton or St. Louis, you, you couldn't just write them off. That They were as good as advertised. They're going up against a New York Islanders team in, in Eric's case that, quite frankly, I, I did not have them even reaching the uh, semifinal. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that the Islanders, for as talented as they are, would probably be the best possible matchup for these Colorado Avalanche because their defense has... The ability to limit Colorado's offensive scoring, but I mean, at the end of the day, when you're talking about what that team has I was in Denver, say, that's, that's a lot of offensive that is, scoring that you're trying to limit. That know? is a tough task, and so Colorado wins the Stanley Cup Finals in Eric Reese's uh, playoff bracket. Eric, I just want to firstly say thank you so much for not only coming on yesterday to do this with us, but making time for us uh, today to talk about Flyers hockey and the overall Stanley Cup playoffs. Hey, absolutely, and I and and I do want to say this as well. If the Philadelphia Flyers find a way to win that conference final, how I have it predicted against the Islanders, I think that the cup comes to Philadelphia. Now, oh, that's this, a beautiful that's thing close, to say. That's how close I am on my prediction to having the Flyers mm-hmm. win it all. And this is being as unbiased as I can because when I did say, "Hey, let's just check the splits just for fun to see." You know who, how the Flyers would would, would uh, present themselves against the Avalanche or against the Blues. The Flyers right. are the better team against the Blues and or Avalanche. So I I agree Flyers with you. I completely find that agree. Way to beat the Islanders and go against either the Blues or the Avalanche. I mean, I'm getting excited that the Flyers are now um, you know probably bringing that cup home. It's just yeah. hey, no matter it comes down to this. The way that I had the seeding uh, predicted, if it's the Avalanche, that means that technically the home team is the Flyers. It just sucks that there's really no home team in these playoffs. 
Right. It's true. That is <laughs> yeah, true. Right. I will. Yeah. I will say that Eric, I like your optimism that the Flyers can get to the Stanley Cup Finals. You do have them losing in the Eastern Conference Finals, so your bracket is officially null and void. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but no, honestly, thank you so much for coming on with us and just talking about that. I really enjoyed having you on. And w- as the playoffs move on, if the Flyers are able to advance, well, I definitely have to have you on again. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It would be uh, fantastic to come back on. You guys were, you know, such a, such gracious hosts, and it was fantastic conversation. Oh, oh look at him. <laughs> yeah, really no, absolutely. I'm not just saying it because I work hosts. with y'all either. No, like you guys are actually, uh, <laughs> you're, you're, a good, you're a good Flyers uh, podcast, hockey podcast in general. So I'm, I'm appreciating the banter over here. Uh, you can follow Eric. Well, thank you so much for that, Eric. You can follow Eric Reese on Twitter at Eric Reese PSN. That is at Eric Reese PSN. He writes for Philadelphia Sports Network. He covers the Philadelphia Wings, the National League Lacrosse team, and the Philadelphia Flyers. Eric, uh, any last words before we sign things off? We'll have some. Um, we'll we'll have some material coming up uh, relatively soon. I mean, I probably by tomorrow morning, uh, talking a little bit more in depth about uh, Carter Hart, Brian Elliott, and Alex Lyon as far as what, how, you know, just how they should, how, how the Philadelphia Flyers should maybe uh, scheme their goaltending. I put I put a piece out like this Ooh, a little I'm bit earlier. It's going to be a good read. mostly focused yeah. on Elliott and Carter Hart, but we're going to take a deep dive into the statistics against most of these playoff teams, and we're also going to incorporate Alex Lyon because, quite frankly, he probably will be one of those uh, – five roster spot guys that are carried into the playoffs as an emergency goaltender. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, besides that, um, give a follow on Twitter at that same handle, Eric Reese PSN, and there'll be different Flyers articles and Wings articles. And let's see if the uh, Phillies have, you know, when that season starts, maybe I'll dip my fingers in a little bit of Phillies content. But for the most part, it will be uh, lacrosse and hockey. Cameron and Justin, thanks for having me on the Fly Guys podcast. For Eric Reese of Philadelphia Sports Network, for Cameron Klein, my name is Justin Goodhart. You can follow us on Twitter at CameronKlein15 and myself at GoodhartJustin. We'll be back next week to talk more playoff hockey on the horizon as training camps draw closer. As always, be happy, be healthy, and let's go Flyers!